Guys, when our talking shit about politics rights are under attack, what do we do? We stand up, fight back. It's May Day. That's right. And it's I'm usually more professional. I'm A.H. Kaylee. Joe Hildebrand, comrade, welcome. Rise up. Rise up, Australia. For Julian. No, no, no. no. We're not rise up, Australia. We're very clearly not that's rise up, other, Australia. That's the other guys. They're the other guys. It's like yeah, the National Socialists and the International that, Socialists. That's right. Very, that's very, that's very other podcast. <laughs> Sam Dastiari, welcome, friend. Uh, great to be here, comrade. Guys, uh, I think we want to talk about the debate first. Do we really? Do we, Do we really want we to talk about to. the debate? Let's, let's say, we have to talk about it. Is this part exactly. of our contract? We have to. That's okay, right. ex- exactly. I'm glad that we're all on the same page there. Now, look, I have to make a confession. And I think uh, I'm going to be tying this confession into two different themes um, so that maybe you won't be mad at me about it. Um, when the uh, debate was on air... I was watching episode three of season eight of Game of Thrones. All of us were. All of us yeah. were. It's incredible. I'm a, I'm a different person for having watched it. Um, but it was really only later on that it occurred to me that as someone hosting a politics podcast, I would have to go back and watch it. No. no and that no. moment for me was right before I left the house to come here. <laughs> now, here are the explanations <laughs> that I'm going to give. As you know, I'm recovering I respe- can from. Can I say I respect you so much? Yes, right now. But as you know, I'm I'm recovering from quite a profound illness, and it has knocked my cognitive function around. So I am. St- I'm not as smart as I used to be, and I am still forgetting things. But secondarily, or secondly, whatever, um, I think it says a lot about this sort of uh, detachment or fatigue that's connected to this election cycle so far. I'm I'm drawing an income from it, and I'm like, ah, can't be bothered. I, I, I am as disgusted as I am appalled right now. Um, firstly, uh, I'm a recovering politician, <laughs> uh, and if this podcast turns into where we walk in and the first thing we do is we start with confessions, it's going to be a fucking long hour. Oh, that's true. It's going to be longer than an hour. <laughs> it's going to be imagine. well longer than an hour. So I'm not going to make any confessions. Uh, I will say that I watched the debate. Great. I watched it with my mobile phone. And I watched it on Twitter, and let me say, according to Twitter, there was a lot of anger. So, are you guys able to? I'm I'm the listener in the room. Are you able to talk me through your well, takeaways of that debate? The format I, was shit. The form the format was shit, and I, I'll tell you why. Because the person who hosted the last leaders' debate was me. And we hosted it in the exact same format. So you might remember a lot of people have wiped yeah, it from their memories. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But the third and final leaders' debate in the 2016 election between Malcolm Turnbull and, again, Bill Shorten was uh, a live stream online debate that was um, streamed live online on Facebook Live. Facebook. Uh, news.com.au. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. And I think it was actually the most watched of all of them. I yeah. think more people actually watched it because it was on that many Still different Still half platforms. as many views as YouPorn, but yes. That's right. And it was very, very similar. So they were both on stools. <laughs> and, uh, and I hate stools. Give yeah, me I, some lumbar support. I hate stools, but for some reason politicians seem to like it. I'm not sure if it makes them seem taller or... It makes them look like an everyman. I'm not that, behind a table. I'm here we, showing my knees. It means that Donald Trump can't sort of wander up behind you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I could find a way. But And, and the, the exact same thing happened, which was I thought it was fairly even, fairly uninspiring. I don't think there were any great gotcha moments. But the and, and again, we had a small audience, live audience of undecided voters... And they overwhelmingly backed in Bill. Overwhelmingly, and and I I have to say I was surprised. I thought 
it was pretty much not much in it, not much in it literally, and not much between them. Yeah, I can. I, I thought the two different things. One is how does the players out there? How does it play in the room? Um, I thought Bill tried to be funny mm-hmm. and he got away with it because the bar for politicians being funny is so low. Mm. So I think he was more amusing. I think he gave amusing zingers and that wins over a room. Whether or not beyond that these debates achieve anything or do anything, I don't think so. But he was actually like he was doing his zingers. He was doing his material. And I wonder, he had a tight five. Are we all just <laughs> hopelessly biased? or Because I found that um, most people who actually work in the media or politics either thought it was – a dead rubber, or that um, that 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 Morrison maybe was slightly more across it, but is that just because is that because we can oh, Bill? It just, it's because you work for News Corp. <laughs> no, but just Bill just seems so fake. He just seems so fake. Morrison is not a great performer, but at least he, you, you get the sense that he actually believes. Whether you agree with it or not, he actually believes what he's saying. Whereas with really? Shorten, it just look it just looks and feels so painfully scripted because it is, and you can see it. You can see him trying to remember his one-liners. It is so obvious yeah. that he's reading from a script in his mind. I agree with that. I agree that when I'm hearing Bill Shorten speak, yeah, he, it's all scripted. He's making sure that he's getting those sort of three-line um, mm. sentences. He's getting his zingers out. He's getting he really sort of like dovetailing policy cool names and stuff in there. However, I don't think I don't I don't get the impression that Scott Morrison believes what he says because I've seen him so often backflip in the space of a sentence. I find I my impression of him whenever he speaks is that he's saying whatever he has to at that moment. I I don't know. To me, I think Morrison is a bit out of touch, and I think he's it's, he's often painfully sort of hokey and painfully kind of like he thinks that all Australians do is sit around and barbecue in the backyards of Cronulla and you know chuck another shrimp on the barbie and crack another coley and like and I think that he's out of step with most of most of metropolitan Australia, but I do think that that's what he thinks Australia is. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas Shorten I think is um, very very intelligent. Probably, possibly, much more intelligent than Morrison, but is is without any kind of personality. I was going to say, sort of moral core. <laughs> the reason yeah. the reason he gets caught out on things like you know, will this pensioner will will pensioners be affected, or will will superannuation be taxed more? All these things is because he has to remember every single thing because he can't. Mm. He can't yeah. go back to what he actually believes in because he doesn't know. He believes no. in he believes in whatever he's, he's he knows he has to say to capture a core I, segment of the electorate. I, I'm not sure you're giving enough credit to for the fact that being leader for as long as he's been leader for means he's very well aware there is a history of things that have been said and policies that have been made over a long period of time. And you know you've got a media out there that is ready to pounce on him the second there's anything resembling a, an error at the moment. Like this is, you know. So why has he fluffed it three times in the last week? He I'm fluffed so, it on saying that. I'm sorry. I don't I don't really accept to the extent that he's fluffed it. Right. Um I think that what you have is a media that's blowing every gaff out of proportion right now when when Bill does it. But but on the topic of fluffed and you mentioned dead rubbers before. What is wrong with you two in this podcast? We finally get an episode where we can talk about strippers. Right? <laughs> We're saving it. And there yeah, you what's, are. What's it wrong was, with us is because yeah. it's the next segment, you fucking idiot. It's called a happy ending. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Are we done with the debate? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, cool. So, One Nation candidate Steve Dixon has withdrawn from the election campaign after undercover footage emerged Shame. of him being really gross towards a dancer in a Washington, D.C. strip club. Last year, he said, this does not reflect the person that I am. Of course, they always say that. The issue is not that he was in a strip club. It's that he was disgusting in a strip club. There is a difference. And it is a very important difference and it's a line that should not be crossed. Now, Pauline has come out and said that One Nation has been unfairly targeted. What do we reckon? Look, okay, (laughs) we suddenly got the topic of this and everyone just turns to me. Um, uh, Look, firstly, uh, what is amazing here is that he goes to the US, negotiates with the NRA, says a whole bunch of racist and offensive things uh, about Port Arthur and other matters mm. and has to resign over a moral issue going to a strip club. That is actually the bit that surprises me, right, that this is where the line in the sand was. The NRA stuff wasn't the line in the sand. Now, what he said, obviously horrible. It was It was just... Just kind of gross. It was. It was gross. Gross, and also, creepy. It was super creepy. And also you are not supposed to touch the dancers. It's it's a massive line. So he was being really demeaning and degrading towards them in their workplace. And I, and that's the issue. I'm not bothered by a dude going to a strip club. Yeah. I am bothered by a dude harassing women in their place of you work. Are, you're absolutely right about that. It was what he said and did there, not the fact that he was just in a strip club. Clement Rudd went to a strip Kevin club and it actually club. boosted his popularity. Yeah, what a people, hero. People thought, oh, God, he thought he was a really boring nerd. But yeah, well, no, but he's not a, a bad guy, yeah. Um, I've said the story on this podcast before, um, you know, when we found out that Kevin had gone to a none of us believed he did. We all thought it was, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, and folklore became afterwards that it was a story that was created intentionally dropped. Well, don't to, you remember you know, the old build. running joke that after Bill Clinton got busted with Monica Lewinsky that John Howard immediately set about trying to background journalists to try and convince the people that he actually had had an affair? <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, 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 but I, I actually think the exact opposite. I'm not at all surprised that the NRA stuff was deemed okay by, well, at least by Pauline Hanson and, and, and caused less damage than this. And I'll tell you why. I think it was Jeff Kennett who said, it doesn't matter if people don't like you in politics. It's when they don't respect you that you've got a problem. Mm. So you can actually... You can actually do just fine in politics by being evil, but you can't do just fine if you look like a buffoon or a fool. And the problem with Steve Dixon is he looked like an absolute fool. You can trust a guy. You can yeah. you can trust someone evil to at least act in self-interest. Um, you can trust someone evil even to be smart enough to know what the right thing to do is or the right way to solve a problem is. But if someone is just an absolute moron and, more importantly, a hypocrite, and let's not forget that, one Nation, the core of One Nation's voters are not that out of step with NRA, the NRA. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, there's, these yeah, are, these are, are they, people. Are that, they that out of step with, I mean, I don't, I don't do gross generalisation because I think there's many components to One Nation vote. Are they that out of step with the kind of guy who's going to go to a strip club and be a bit of a dick? I think the. Publicly they are. Yeah. Okay. I think. I think it's the kind of thing that they might do the same, but, uh, but I, publicly would not want someone to think that they are. Again, but was it the fact that he was. A dick, or even the fact that he was just pathetic. He was just so drunk. That's what I mean. Completely and utterly incapacitated, out of control. He's behaving like a pathetic, desperate fool. Mm. I'm sure. I'm sure plenty of One Nation supporters have gone to strip clubs, but you know what? They're not all sort of yahoos doing burnouts in their in their utes at Deniliquin. They're you know, a lot of One Nation supporters or Pauline Hand supporters, they're old women. They're, they're, they're pensioners. Mm. They're my beloved audience in Studio 10. These, okay. are, these are people who are really poor who um, don't believe 
that they're getting a fair go in life. They don't, they they think both major parties are full of shit and they don't understand what they're talking about anyway and they don't trust them to do what they're saying even if they did understand it. And Pauline Hansen comes along and even though half her speech is garbled, they can understand what she's saying or trying to say. Yeah. And they hate the fact that um, that these guys are there and also hate the fact they're letting her down as well. Okay. Well, this yes, is- totally. I'm fascinated by the whole strip club issue though, right? So you rightly point out the Kevin Rudd example. That was 10, 11 years ago. Are we more prunish now about the strip club or not? Prunish. Prunish. Is prunish a word? Prunish. prunish. What did I say? Prunish. I'm sorry. Which I love and prunish I'm going to use it from here on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Spa. No, no, yes. it's fine. Just mock me. English is my second language. You too become <sighs> white, you know. Um uh, you know, my, must be. Sorry, we need to stop AH, pressing AH you. AH is very Islamophobic. I yeah, yeah, that's. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Suddenly you brought my faith into it, too. Um. <laughs> yes, are we more prudish? Are say? we more prudish? Or no? Is it. Okay, let me put it this way. If it was just the footage of him at the strip club, mm. right, would, it, would he have gotten away with it? I think it would have been fine. It would have been fine. It would have been a story. It would have been a story because the politician at strip clubs always. Sure, it would have been a story, but I don't think he would have had to stand down. I think the issue is that he was embarrassing. That he was Joe, as you said, pathetic. Like he was, he was that gross, drunk, old loser Mm. in the strip club. And there's your difference. It was also bragging about how many Asian women he'd slept with. I mean, after after degrading them, after degrading them. But Mm. can we all just remember? It was Pauline Hanson in her maiden speech who said that we are in danger of being swamped by Asians. Yep. And in Steve Dixon's case, she was absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, the last oh two times, right, um, that there's been a story with politicians and strip clubs was obviously Kevin Rudd and now Steve Dixon, both of them in the US. Yep. Makes me ask the question and wonder about the Australian strip club experience and politicians. Mm. Right? Because I, I w- here's my assumption. Right? My assumption is that um, – Male politicians and female politicians—the whole hens party thing as well. I think I think you'll statistically find there are less female strip clubs now, but they exist, mm. right? And the whole—you know—I—I've been out in boats before, and you've seen other boats go past, and there's kind of hens parties and all that kind of happening. For some reason, it seems to happen in international waters. Uh, why I'm in international waters too—that's <laughs> yeah. a whole separate question. But let's be clear: no <laughs> one is hens paying parties me. on the high seas. Okay. No one is paying me to get my gear off. Let's be very very clear about that. Um. Uh, and that's um, but why is it that you're not hearing stories about this happening in Australia? Oh, I think there's two things. Mm-hmm. My personal theory, I mean, think I spent a lot of time in the past 24 hours, 48 hours thinking about strip clubs and politicians. Uh, I think there's two things. I think firstly, um, people tend to be better behaved in their own country, in their own city. Mm-hmm. Right? You're going to be way more careful. You're going home at night, you know, this and that, and putting aside a buck style party or something mm-hmm. first. But secondly, I'm just not sure a lot of that footage would run and it would be run very differently. Um, stories about Australian schools. I think the Australian media would be much more careful about opening the can of worms that comes because you hear no stories about strip clubs in Australia. The last story with about someone famous in strip club in Australia, from my memory, was Shannon Noel because he got into a fight at the front of a strip club. Mm. Yeah. Is that the King's Cross theory, that the reason why no one touched anyone in the cross is because the judges, the cops, the politicians were all at the same illegal establishments? I, I, like okay. sca- so in other words, that. That if be- I was the Labor Party, right, and I've run the Labor Party before at a New South Wales branch level, I've seen dirt come, I've seen dirt yeah. go. If I got a call and said, hey, a current affair has footage 
of a labor politician at strip club X in the city, you know. <laughs> the only time we can call strip club X is probably actually the name of a strip club. Yeah. <laughs> right? But if I got a phone call and said, oh, we've got a issue or some, you know, we've got footage of someone at strip club X and we're going to run it tonight. Let's say current affair who did it before called yeah. us. I'd say, hey, shit, what are we going to do? We'd brainstorm. First thing I do is, okay, I find out who owns this strip club. Right? Yep. And it takes you five minutes. Who's the real owner, right? Not just who's listed on the title. You Five minutes on Google, you find that. Oh, Sydney Identity X or Y owns strip club. Colourful racing identity. Colourful racing mm. identity. Who owns strip clubs? I call them. I find a way to get in touch with them. And I say, okay, um, I think you should give a current affair a call and let them know that um, you know that this story about their strip club is going to run. And that's completely fine. It's their decision to run it. And maybe you should let them know that who you, from their stable, maybe from their news team, maybe from their sports team, maybe mm. from their coverage team, maybe from their breakfast team. You know, of course, I would find it very hard to believe in a city like Sydney there wouldn't be someone significant at Channel 9 who hasn't also been attending that club. And just say to them, you might want to run it past them as well before uh, before you go ahead with this story. Yeah. And I think those kinds of conversations, in my experience, tend to be how a lot of stories die. Do you think that these days that would still I – re- I reckon 10 years ago, 15 years ago for sure, but I just wonder I – mean, everyone's just so boring these days. Everyone's so censorious, so, you know, morally rectitudinal that – All right, quit bragging with your you fancy that, words. <laughs> but do you think that they would actually um, – my greatest fear is that 20 years ago, yes, you would have had every journo, every cop, every robber, every poly in town. These days – Actually, probably wouldn't, and that's the worst part. Well, that's something no, that I was no, wondering. No, there would be someone. Okay. I, I, I would. Uh, Even the people I know who used to go to strip clubs don't go to strip, strip clubs. Anymore. Yeah, but you're old yeah, and boring, Cross and you've just announced dead. your third child. So exactly, like, there's not much <laughs> happening there. Let's be honest. I see. I was wondering, and um, a good thing too. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering uh, if it's just that politicians aren't going to risk going to strip clubs on home soil. But you say instead, Sam, it's people like you. No, no, no. Well, um, firstly, doing I, that. Firstly, work. I don't think there are. I think in this kind of day and age, in this environment, politicians going to strip club would be a rarer occurrence, right? Mm-hmm. I think you'd be foolish with everyone having mobile phones and that. Um, I'm just making a broad observation, right? I think to me, it's fascinating how considering the number of athletes, celebrities, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know. Uh, TV stars where there would be every story of them being at a strip club would be a story. Mm. And literally the one story that I can think off the top of my head, I'm sure there's been a couple others if you spent half an hour Googling, was Shannon Knoll and that was because he got into a fight at the front Mm. of a strip club, Mm. right? And how no stories seem to come out from inside of them. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there who fix stories. I think politicians generally (laughs) go less, but I think there's people who fix stories, definitely. Didn't one very wise political mastermind once say, said, look, if you're if you're a poly and you want to, you know, you want to go to a strip club or see a hooker or whatever, all you have to do is go more than 10K from the CBD. Because <laughs> no one in the media <laughs> will ever, ever find you. Do we think that uh, also the fact that politicians are able to sort of access these things behind closed doors helps because the the I have friends who are uh, friends who are strippers I have friends who are full service sex workers and they say the amount of work in Canberra during parliamentary sitting periods is immense 
Yeah, they hide. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, I, I did a ring. Oh, God, what was it? I think it's for a radio show. I um, I did a ring around of um, um, Canberra brothels and uh, asked them whether or not they'd ever serviced a politician. It was kind of a gaggy kind of thing, and all of them said they a had. Gag, huh? Yeah, that's right. all of them said they had. Hey, Sam, when are you coming back? I'm not. Um, <laughs> in joke. Um, that's exactly what I said. Um, um, but. Uh, Look, yes, but I think part of that too has to happen is when they're sitting weeks, they all put on more people and they all said this in these interviews we did. But that's in part because the sheer number of public servants and staff that comes. I don't think Canberra politicians would be foolish or crazy enough. So it's not the politicians, it's the staffers. And the whole kind of general environment of Canberra. That's the entire population of Canberra. I mean, that's the thing. Mm. I mean, it's not not like they have a great deal. Their only other industry is porn. So yeah. fireworks. fireworks, yeah. Oh, fireworks. I about it. <laughs> when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was go to this place called Canberra because you could get fireworks <laughs> oh, no. there. Yeah, so I, I wanted to go for other reasons. Um, and sorry, and mine uh, erupted in a big explosion as oh. well. Oh, Burumchik! Oh. Um, no, no, but but you're right. I think the fact that a what has now happened because of the advent of the internet mm-hmm. uh, and the advent of kind of technology in that is, yeah, a load of other services, a load of other services are now available kind of behind closed doors. And politicians are getting access to them. Of course they are, right? Uh, but I think it allows them to do it in a much more discreet way. It's the same thing as what's happening with fetishes. But to give you an example, right, you always wonder why politicians keep getting caught liking weird porn on Twitter, mm. right? Well, obviously, we go, but we go, why do they like things on Twitter? Well, here is the reason, right? Metadata. So if I view porn through a parliament-issued phone, right? You're fucked. Well, you, you, you usually, Someone is. You're usually not. That's why you're viewing it. But, but, yeah, if I'm doing it through a parliament-issued phone, it's going through a server, it's getting logged. If I'm viewing porn through Twitter, which to me amazed me because I didn't – yeah. Until these stories broke, I didn't quite understand that there was. I thought porn was banned on Twitter. Apparently, it's technically- it is. It, it come, I think it comes up and then disappears very quickly. Like you'll often get these weird sort of Russian bots that. No, but not no, no, the no, bot. No. There are so no, there no, are porn follow, stars who have yes. who have active stuff on there. It's it's not banned oh. on Instagram. It is. There used to be a series of the ever changing hashtags. The most famous one was hashtag seduce, and when you searched that, that was the tag that people oh, used okay. yeah. while they were having sex if they wanted to cyber. Oh, that's such an but old phrase, but the if they wanted to do they? DM sex, yeah, like so, it would be up there. And of course, when Instagram found out, they deleted it. So they actually removed the entire hashtag. Oh wow! Even you search though- seduce, nothing comes up. The eggplant mm. emoji was then used. All these sort of different ones that Instagram kept deleting. So Instagram has gone puritanical. Okay. Well, Twitter, it's still all okay. there. What well, if people really like eggplants? You're fucked. They can't express that anymore. <laughs> or you're not. Or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, no. But so politicians, because this is amazing yeah. because it was about three politicians in a row that got caught liking porn on Twitter and yeah. each of them, you know, I believe them at their word, claimed that it was an error or an accident or a bot or a hack and there's always other reasons given. But they'd be viewing porn through Twitter mm. so that there's no metadata because if you do it through Twitter, it's done through the Twitter server. So the porn itself isn't being logged. Right. It's being seen by you because it goes to another US thing and this and that. Uh, and uh, and as we all know with Twitter. They won't uh, hand it, over the. Yeah, it's accidentally, and depending on which hand you're using, uh, it's uh, it can accidentally very easy with one finger to like something. A slip of the thumb. I have a more innocent view, whereas I think like just anyone who, because you get so much abuse online as well. If someone says something nice, you just I just go, oh, I like that, I like that. I like that. So if someone says, hey, babe, I really love your rock hard bod. I want you inside me right now. I go, oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> someone they, must, say, they obviously really like the last column. Yeah. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Because because your columns are so good that people are just they trying are, to they are sex you. They get people all hot. And they get people excited. hot and bothered. Hot and bothered. <laughs> I'm not sure about hot and excited. I'm sure there's They're some very movie. excited yeah. people. People keep calling for me to be PM. That's what well, like three yeah. of them. People also call enough. for you to get. What's hung the quota these days? That's pretty much enough to get elected to the Senate. <laughs> it is interesting, actually, being in your notifications, guys, because people really hate you. Me? No, no me. Well, yeah, mainly Sam. So obviously there are a lot of tweets now where we're all tagged together, which means when people reply, it comes up in my everyone loves me, so this is a this comes as a surprise, but people fucking hate you. Yeah. It's yeah. just my observation. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think it's it, it, people who like things don't go around saying I don't go around saying, Oh, I like hamburgers and French fries and sunny days and long walks on the beach. You should. I would support that rebrand. I actually just had some hamburgers and French fries. What did well, you think I'm, of them? Was, were they vegan? Because I don't really knew that shit yeah. if it's not vegan. You disgust me. Hashtag you've, vegan warrior. You've changed. You've changed. I, I really have actually. <laughs> what about yeah, the- Yeah, um, I told you the, the vegan smugness kicks in very Yeah, very early. quickly. I live off my vegan smugness energy. It keeps me going. It's like a biofuel. Well, I guess it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, anyway, back to the strip clubs. But strip clubs- Well, th- sorry. The question I want to ask is- um, in terms of, so this was, uh, if we go back to Steve Dixon, this was the Al Jazeera footage yep. from the whole NRA undercover reporting Sting. operation, Sting. Um, Al Jazeera didn't use it. They did not give, but they, they didn't send it to Channel 9 to use. It well, was, they claim it was they someone did. It was, they claim they did. It was leaked. We literally don't know yeah. whether it was yeah. a sanctioned leak or unsanctioned leak. They claim it was an unsanctioned leak. So, let, so yeah. let's, let's go with that. Let's just okay. assume that's correct. It was leaked to Channel 9. Channel yep. 9 obviously won't say who leaked it. Sam, who do you think leaked it? Was this uh, Liberal? Was no, this Labor? Uh, no, no. Well, Liberal and Labor wouldn't have had access to it. I mm. think what happened is they went really hard. This is my working yep. theory. No proof or basis for this. They kicked the shit out of Al Jazeera. They, One Nation came out and said they're a bunch of, you know, terrorist-loving, you know, Islamic kind of this, and they made it all about Al Jazeera. They decided to take the messenger, and someone in Al Jazeera, it could have been high up, it could have been really junior, this we won't know, said, screw you. We actually treated you well and fair. We had all this footage of you behaving like yahoos, and we kept it about policy. All right, if you guys want to, you turn around and said release everything, bang, here's everything. Yep. And yeah. I, th- I think it was a screw you. And the reason why I think it was a screw you was that news outlets don't like to give things away to other people, right? News stories they keep for themselves. The fact they gave it to Channel 9 uh, makes me think that it was a... Uh, Strategic decision, well, if you like. But it was sanctioned at some level. Yeah. That may have been at a very junior level. Um, but someone yeah. decided, screw you. It was payback. I don't know. I mean, they had their scalp already to something. I know well, they hadn't resigned, but they had their their big hit. I, I that's one theory I hadn't thought. Of. I have, I've heard two theories. My initial thought was whoever it was who actually got the, um, and I'm appealing to the, you know, the, the you know, the the human, um, the the animal now. instincts of the human condition. Right. Um, so whoever has gone to the strip club with him, they've got all this amazing amazing footage. It's a smoking gun. He's come back, yep. or she's come back, whoever it is, and said- I think it was you- a guy from memory. From, from, if it's the same guy who was the- That's person. right. Well, that's right, I see. But I honestly don't know. Um, come back and said, you will not believe what I've got. You will not believe what I've got. And as a journo, if I, if I had all that stuff, I'd go, holy mother. It'd be like a cartoon, mm. and you come. You're, so cute. You're, you're this racing. Still calls off a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it used to be a as a forward, and you come racing back to the news desk, and you say, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" And sorry, what like, was that? Say it again. Say, "Oh my god!" 
with the gut and the stomach and the eyes and the breasts and the ears and the ears and the guts and the guts. That's all the time. We got it. We got it. We got the visual. We got the audio. We got everything. He's hanging out the car. He's going. So he's just suck my. Like you'd just be the best yarn in the world. Yeah. And you'd give it to them. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe a week later, say, hey, guys, what's happening with the – I saw the thing. What's the? What's all that gold I gave you? I gave you all that gold. And they say, oh, sorry, we decided not to use it. Yeah. You what? I went to a strip club you for nothing. You what? <laughs> You're not going to – I busted my – you know, I just – I busted my, my nut. Is that yeah. what you're about to say? <laughs> and say, so this is my Walkley. Um. And this so is the I, hardest job I've done. So I, I, I could just imagine them saying, I cannot I've believe I've come all the way to America. This. Screw you. I know, you know, if you won't take it, I know someone who will. Mm. Oh, is that a current affair? Um, <laughs> if you so don't take it, I know someone who will. Is he still using the lines? <laughs> Are you still using the other, lines? Oh, my God, you people are so – get your minds out of it. And get your minds out of it. We're trying to have a serious conversation here about strip clubs. That's right. The other theory, of course, is – and this was not mine, but someone was peddling it around um, – was it Al Jazeera, as Pauline Hansen has pointed out, is a uh, predominantly Muslim network, yep. um, socially very conservative. Muslims aren't renowned for their love of strip clubs, at least not officially. Yep. Um, and it just simply would not have been a good look for them to uh, either release this footage or even indeed it to be known that Al Jazeera ah, was, really was operating. Yeah. Okay, I haven't heard that. Operating that, in Syria. That hadn't occurred to me either. So I've got to yeah, say right. that was that was no, someone, that's someone that's, another that's, reporter. That's, who, yeah, I, you're right. You're so saying, they couldn't afford to officially be associated with it, but they, you know, yeah, happy to. We have funded a thing that involved paying people to go to strip, like strip club and record it. No, no, you're right. Actually, that that's actually a very interesting perspective. Putting it in the mind of the because we're looking at it from a very Australian perspective, that's right. not from a Qatari Al Jazeera exactly. perspective. So, wow. So yeah, we can't do that. So uh, that was a um, and that You've was opened a, my eyes. This yeah, whole that was a, another. I won't say who it was because it was just chatter. But um, it was a very smart reporter. So. Yeah. Okay. So, but th- this whole thing about dirt, right, and dirt units. I'm I'm being fascinated by this all week because what we've seen this week is, and God, seeing today's, yesterday's, and over the weekend, is this tit for tat where Labor and Liberal are now just dumping story yep. after story about candidate after candidate. And you have to ask the question, how have a lot of these people not been vetted? Oh, no, just Google them. What just is the vetting Google process them. like? Okay, as someone who's done vetting and been vetted, um, hey, there are the basics, right? The basics is what's on your Facebook, okay. what's on your Twitter. Right, that's really easy, right? And what's on a Google search? That's before I, um, when I sort of got signed on for the first time at a commercial radio station at, at, at Triple M, um, I did so many Twitter searches of like at AH Kaylee, Nangs, AH Kaylee, <laughs> um, various uh, people who I may have been working with in the broader media, not necessarily at Triple M, at AH Kaylee Weed, at AH Kaylee High, like because I've been on there since I was 19 years old. So, yeah. how are you to even know what's yep. still there? Yep. And I'm thrilled to say that nothing came up because I'm perfect and a pure <laughs> angel. You millennials, you're destroying the world. This is why people need to go to strip clubs. But uh, <laughs> uh, live from uh, I'm using At AH Kaylee Porkies. <laughs> nothing came up, nothing. I promise. Damn it. Uh, there's a pun there. I'm not even going to go. So well, in, um, in the case of the two libs who have just got Two smashed, libs. And there was uh, a Labor guy in the NT who had made some anti-Semitic that's posts. That's right. So let's, yeah. let's leave, leaving that aside for one second, um, the – one one lib got done for running in Isaacs, got done for making really anti-Muslim comments. Another guy just has been outed for making anti 
gay comments. Yeah, it's like just both before the, we hit record. That that's right. And else. both these guys did it responding to sort of one – well, one was posting in relation to a Quadrant article, so yep. a conservative sort of magazine. Another was posting in response to some weird right-wing yeah. site or whatever. So would that come up in a vetting process? Uh, that- okay, okay. So there's different parts. There's the bit you're involved in and there's a separate part. It's broken into two bits. Yeah. One is a research unit, right, call them dirt, you know, whatever you want to yeah. call them, will do their own search and say, okay, let's do some proactive if, – if I was our opponents – what would I try and track down on Joe Hildebrand? Yep. So what's on the public record? What's out there, right? And that's the stuff that is really just on the internet. That's a couple of days yeah. of Google searching. Well, everybody hates me for one thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah. But also- and I'll tell them. The, <laughs> the basic is Facebook and Twitter, but that's actually quite easy yeah. to check, right? But, you know, there's things like Reddit, this and that. I mean, as a general rule, the kind of person who's going to run, especially in an unwinnable seat for a political party that can't win, is likely to be someone who has very, very strong views on things, Right, because like the natural self-selection group, but then you have to look at you know posts and this and that uh, outside. So places like Reddit, places like you know blogs and this and that, and it gets a lot harder because a lot of them won't come up in basic search history. So that's one one part of it is that the other part is sitting down with the candidate and sitting down and doing the whole look. You're doing this for two reasons. One is to find stuff out, and secondly, so that you have the grounds to dump them afterwards right. if something comes out. So the normal vetting will be- Oh, so you can say, hey, we asked you and you didn't yeah. tell us, out you go. Right. That's the last question, so I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So the, the basic questions, right, you know, where have you lived, you know, where do you live now, this and that, that very obvious things just so you can do proper searches on people, companies, directorships and that. You've got to get those details and so do proper searches on that. That's all pretty straightforward and basic effectively a CV uh, basis. Then you've got the more personal questions. Okay, you know, is one of is there anyone you owe money to? Is there anyone who's going to come out and claim you owe them money? You know, is there, you know, are you even if you're divorced? Okay, let's have a serious chat about what this relationship's like. Is there going to be the possibility halfway in the campaign your ex-husband or ex-wife or yeah. ex-partner is going to come out and claim you did this and that? Have you, even though it was never filed in court, have you ever has there been ever allegations about sexual misconduct, sexual assault, or physical, you know, not even sexual, but you know, verbal assault in the workplace? Has someone been out there? You know, all these so kinds of things. If any, if any of these questions gets a red flag, do you then is is the candidate then right? That's it. You're out. Or does the vetter or the party machine then say, okay, well, we're willing to accept this much risk, but if it does come out, you're gone. It depends. Uh, normally, because then they can turn around and say, yep. "Well, I told them." No, no, no. It depends, and normally depends. And then you know, you've got, so just go on. Just a couple other questions. Yep. You know, obviously, about you know, you know, drug use and that. Yep. You know, again, beyond the whole, hey, have you occasionally recreationally used drugs? Okay, mm-hmm. is there video of this? Is there footage? Is this going to be a problem in the campaign? You know, those, and you kind of go deeper and deeper in questions. Uh, I don't want to give you a cop out answer. The cop out answer is it depends. But firstly, you go, okay, how bad is this? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've had a three-year custody battle with my ex that got resolved in court and we said some bad things about each other, but we're now really getting along great. That's very different to, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, um, there have been allegations of, you know, assault or whatever or non-payment and court order yeah, had to my yeah. ex-wife said I bashed her but she's a lying bitch <laughs> yeah, that's so, right. okay that's right, that's right. So, so, and also it depends on who that's the a can- red flag factory that's a, that that's one. A- and also it depends on who the candidate is and um, and how they've dealt with it right? yeah. give you an example 
um, uh, Warren Mundine, um, Liberal candidate That's now, right. was a Labor candidate in the past, has this quite powerful story about when he, I think he, again, I don't want to misquote him here, and he ran for the Labor Party and the Liberal Party, so both sets of anyone to pick this up on this. It's, it's, it's quite a fact. I think it's quite open about in his book. Um, physically assaulted someone once as a kid to the point where he put them in a uh, in hospital and that, and that was the turning point in his life. So mm-hmm. there are bits, you know, if it's part of your narrative and story and it's out there, that's out there and that's fine. Yep. The classic kind of Barack Obama, you know, I did, you know, um, uh, cocaine, you know, yeah. in his book. Or well, the brilliant Michael Coots Trotter, who is yep. one of the best Labor brains, and now the independent public service, of course, and the husband of um, Tanya Plibersek, who had a, who's, who's had his went to jail, ter- went to jail for dealing heroin, supported habit, um, and it completely turned his life around. Is one of the smartest. I love the bloke. He's yep. one of the smartest, one of the greatest yeah. minds. So smart the libs actually kept him on when they took power. But you know, as, as seen as part of the, you know, if it's part, but of he the came name. out and owned it himself before anyone else could. So we help candidates do that mm-hmm. if it's part of it. Sometimes you go, it's not that big a deal. I'm going to keep. We're not going to talk about it because why would we draw attention? Sometimes you go, we have to do it first. Sometimes you go to them and say, hey, you're going to need to pull out. Um, all campaigns give the power to the party at the end to dump them. But the final question, and this is always the killer, is there anything else we should know that could become an issue during the campaign? Some variation of that wording. Is there anything else you're not telling us? Is really the last question, right? And that's the whole when they go after it. Well, they never told us about this. I mean, you dump them. But some candidates get – got to say, it's interesting at this stage, it's very, very early in, the, in this kind of candidate dumping stage, both political parties do all their research on the other um, campaigns. This is the major parties. Yeah. Uh, normally you find there's wacky independents everywhere all the time. Some of them are because who's going to run for a minor party in a seat? Um, and some of the people who are self-selecting as running as independents are just nutters out there. They get attracted to the bright lights politics. But the major parties, both campaigns would have done a proper vet – on all the candidates of the opposing party, and they wait until how to votes are printed, yeah, and they wait until nominations have closed. And yeah. It's too late for them to put a new candidate on the ballot paper, and that's why you'll find day after day right. after day. This there will be stuff that have been sitting on by both Labor and Lib for three to six. Or let's yeah. say probably around Christmas when some of these candidates got pre-selected, um, they'd be sitting on them now. And what you'll find now is in the past 24, 48 hours, the Libs, especially out of Victoria, where once again they've got themselves in candidate mess. And they got themselves in candidate mess last time in Victoria too, mm-hmm. interestingly. Um, and now all of a sudden some of their Facebooks are being scrubbed and some of them aren't. It's like the ones who are scrubbing their Facebook, you're like, well, hey, it's too late because everything that's out there yeah. has already been seen. But secondly, if you're scrubbing it now, it's like a red flag saying, oh, well, yeah. what was on this? Yeah. <laughs> but no, the classic was out of the, all my candidates, and, and I'm, I'm not going to say his name because I think it would be unfair to him, but a Liberal Party candidate that ran in a seat at uh, the last election, uh, a federal seat, and uh, he had, there was a dispute about where he lived and where he was enrolled to live. And one of his posts was a complaint about how long it took pizza to get to his house oh. <laughs> at the address that he claimed he didn't live at. Oh, and it, was, it was the hilarity of the fact. Hilarity, is that a word? Yes. yes Sorry, that's a word, just, I'm, see, I'm, I'm having fun, but I'm learning English too. <laughs> um, the hilarity of the fact that he was complaining about, and it was a bigger fella, that he was complaining about the time it took for his pizza delivery is what made it such a great story. Otherwise, mm. just an, another candidate who claims they live somewhere they don't. But it was the fact that he has on the ground like complaining about pizza delivery. Um, Why didn't you use that? We did. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. Iran I thought did. when you said you wouldn't name the candidate, I thought. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. He's, he's at his turn. He's at his turn. Poor guy's probably <laughs> trying right. to get his Rebuild life. Rebuild his together. life. Um, is, is the question, though, and I think I know the answer to this, but tell me if I'm right or not. All these people, they're almost always candidates in ridiculously safe seats for the other side. Yes. So, so complete 
fr- frankly, idiots and losers who don't have anything else yep. to do who will step up and do it because they're too crazy to know they're wasting their time. Why do parties then even bother running in these seats that they know okay. they come in? Is it A, just a pride thing, or is it B, to make sure that the other party has to use their resources to, to prop up safe No, seats? it's all about the Senate vote. Right? Of course, yeah. So it's actually about – so, okay, you're right. The pre-selection process within major parties normally vet out. Um, so it's the same reason Palmer's yeah. running UAP candidates yep. in every seat. Yep. Of course, so the, so the, the, the pre-selection candidate process is in safe seats. So let's say there's a safe seat, I don't know, of, of a seat around Bankstown, Blacksland, right? Yep. Jason Clare's the member. It's like a 25% Labor seat. Or, you know, we're at, right now we're in Albo's seat um, or Tanya's seat or one of the two. We're right? in Tanya's seat, Tanya's yeah. Tanya's seat, okay. They're, you know, safe Labor seat. If all of a sudden, you know, Tanya, you know, decided she was going to get into politics, there would be 30 people who'd stick their hands up. There'd be a long media-driven process and anything on any of these candidates would probably come to the surface as part of that. And then right at the end of that, there'd be a candidate vetting before they're approved, right? right. So that, that, there's a really long, detailed process. Then... Right now, you know, you drive out to the Hills area where I grew up and Alex Hawke holds the seat on like 30%. Yep. And there's probably a Labor Party membership of about 80 people out there maybe. Uh, and there's probably three or four people who normally run and they do it because they love the Labor Party and they might be a local councillor or something or they might just, you know, be uh, passionate about the cause. And someone else says, hey, I'll run this time. I go, yeah, you run. All right? There's no real vet. And then they do like a quick vet afterwards and that person comes to Canada and it gets announced a week later. They're the places where you're right, that happens. Now, why do you do it as a political party? You need to have someone at every booth handing out uh, right. and they hand out for the lower house candidate, but they're actually pushing the Senate vote. And right, because so you, you're not going to have someone doing handout if there's just for the Senate seat. No, I mean, normally the infrastructure is based around the candidate. So, yeah. hey, my mate Sam's running for parliament. He can't win. It's an unwinnable seat, but he's my mate. So I'm going to stand out the front of Borkham Mills High, the school I went to, for you know, 12 hours and hand out for him. Like The infrastructure around that, and the parties are built on grassroots movements, built on infrastructure. So do the vote? Hand or outer is actually even are they in some ways sort of unwitting stooges who think that they're handing out for their mate who's running for the seat, but in fact are just being used by the party to push up uh, the Senate No, vote? I, I'm sure or that's then, quite fair because I think the type of – well, both, right? Yeah. I mean there are some people who are just there for their mate and some people wrongly think their mate's going to – like, a lot of people know in unwinnable seats it's not going to happen, but I'm handing out for them because they're you know, flying the flag. And a lot of people are just there for the cause. Yeah. You know, oh, we're part of the movement, you know, conservative movement or the labor movement, whatever, you know, wherever you yeah. sit in the political fence, I'm here as a green or whatever. Um, the big thing is, though, the minor parties and a lot of them, uh, you can, and you can see this in their vote, how it changes based on whether they have people handing out or not. And a lot of the minor parties pay. So I imagine like the Labor Party and Liberal Party as a point of principle don't organisationally pay. I'm sure there's – I know there's been cases of Libs paying. I know there's been – I'm sure there's been cases of Labor paying. As a point of principle, we tend to not. And the main reason you don't, by the way, is normally – you don't have to. You don't have to. And uh, in seats where you have the money to pay and normally the marginal target seats is where you're well-stuffed anyway. <laughs> the seats where you have the money to pay. So in unwinnable seats where you're not going to win anyway is where you can't stuff your booths and yeah. those people have no money because it's an unwinnable seat and who's going to donate to a campaign that can't win. So that's kind of uh, generally. But I think you'll find that roughly, and these are really rough numbers, about 95%, 90-95% of all booths are staffed by a Labor Party and the Conservatives, be it the Nats or the Libs. Uh, they would both claim it's at 100. It's on paper always 100 and then people just don't show up and, you know, volunteers yeah. don't show up or they show up at 11 till 2 when they're meant to be there all day and all that kind of stuff. But it's wild. If, if you if you haven't really met the breadth of, you know, um, how bottomless life can become, spend an entire day in the hot sun handing out for a political party when 50s will at best 
49% of people are going to tell you to fuck off. <laughs> Just like those strippers should have done to Steve Dixon. Oh! Drop the Once again, uh, another week, another flexing of our civic duties uh, in order to help inform your vote. We look into some of the minor parties of the week. And Health Australia Party is an interesting one. I should say a fucking dangerous one in my no opinion. No way. Oh, no way. Oh, come on. Whoa, 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 whoa. As someone who's done no research for this segment at all, um, clearly they are a party whose entire focus is health. And they're going to be an evidence-based, health, medical-based kind of part. I what okay, I what think they are to... doing is uh, uh, being part of a long Australian tradition of micro-parties naming their party in a very misleading <laughs> way. Whoa, whoa. Well, isn't the whole point, isn't it, isn't it a long and proud tradition of, of being a micro-party that you have to name your party the very opposite of what your party stands for? It's like the Australian Vaccination Network was against vaccinations. Yeah. The health party is against health. health. Is it like the Life liberal party? Oh, mic drop. Oh, oh, zinger. For you at home, he just took off his headphones. Now and, we know who's writing all them zingers. <laughs> um, so, so tell us about them, Sam. No, I don't actually know all that much about them. What I know about them is that they strike me. Look, they are very clear on their website that they are not anti-vaxxation. And I have to say, if one of your key policies has to be that you're not anti-vaxxation, <laughs> you just have questions, it uh, strikes me as the kind of thing. I'm like, who wrote that policy of vaxxation? <laughs> I remember when a Liberal leader um, years ago said that he was really opposed to pedophilia. Yeah. And it was kind of the same thing. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, we kind of all are, mate. Um, I mean, even the people a, on a forum no, don't really No, no, no. They, like, they've once, they haven't just said there. They said, look, we're not anti-vaxxers. We, you know, just have questions. There's, yeah. there's a famous um, just on a journey. There's a famous journey. tweet from Weird Twitter, which is something like, um, "My shirt that says not involved in people smuggling has only raised more questions, all of which are answered <laughs> by my shirt." <laughs> <laughs> but so the, the health, right? That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So the Health Australia Party are what they're pro homeopathy, they're pro naturopathy. They're pro all those things that about atrophy. a year ago they took out of being a government funded for. Uh, no, no, <laughs> yeah. one of the big things because I, I, yeah, I remember they, get it put back they, they got they and a couple of similar parties reached out to me when I was in the um, Senate Health uh, um, Committee, and uh, they wrote to me to highlight what they thought was an outrage, which was the fact that a whole bunch of those kind of programs were being taken out of being government able to be government funded through health insurance. Yeah, and uh, and the health insurance companies interestingly wanted it taken out. Right, they wanted these things taken out because it's a competitive environment. None of them thought it worked, but if your competitors are providing, you kind of have to provide. And they thought this was a waste of taxpayer money, so kind of save some taxpayer money, get all these kind of you know unproven medical yep. know, things out. And so they wrote to us telling us this, and I wasn't aware of this. And then they made me aware. I was like, yeah, I really agree with the government on that. Yeah. <laughs> I should I should clarify, um, you know, we should at least be, I guess, slightly fair to the Health Australia Party or fair to you as the listener by um, by clarifying. So basically, their perspective is that they they are pushing for natural medicine to be placed on an equal footing with pharmaceutical medicine. So they don't want things to be referred to anymore as alternative therapies; they're just therapies. Now, this one's a little bit close to my heart, having gone through a very profound illness recently. Mm. Um, so I. 
it, it looked for a while like I had MS. I, you know, like I mentioned yep. before, like my I'm not as smart as I used to be. My cognitive function went out the window. It's starting to come back. Parts of my life don't exist anymore because my memory was so affected. Hopefully they'll come back. Um, did lost- you cure it all with echinacea? Well, the thing is, I so I was very lucky. It turns out it's 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 not MS, thankfully, but it, it's a different autoimmune disease. I'll take a tablet every day for the rest of my life and look at be careful about yep. what I eat and I'll be fine. But on blood tests, I don't have it. It came back constantly saying I was normal, even as I became more and more incapacitated, needed a walking stick. And I sort of only got that diagnosis because I've been seeing my doctor for 11 years. We have a very trusting relationship. And he sort of finally said, okay, I agree to trial you on a low dose of the medication. And it worked for me. And that's how I got my diagnosis. But that's not an advertisement. That's that's an area where conventional medicine has sort of fallen short. No, 100%. But it's but not an- a lot of people in this... Um, same thing, particularly when it comes to autoimmune diseases, they do go elsewhere because there is a failing there in, in medicine. I did, after I got my diagnosis, because diet plays a big part in yep. autoimmune stuff, I went to a nutritionist who was recommended by a friend. He's also a naturopath, but I figured that they were kind of quite separate things. Now, this guy was lovely. He offered me great dietary advice. Um, He asked questions about fucking anything that had ever been wrong with me, and I felt so listened to. He recommended all of these tests, which cost a bit, but, you know, I wasn't working at the time because I was incapacitated, So, but I was like, maybe we'll do it later. Anyway, and and I walked out of there being like, cool, he's one of the good ones. I, you Mm. know, I'm a sceptic. I went in there. I I was on alert for snake oil, uh, and I knew when to sort of go, "Mm, not for me, but whatever. A couple of days later, I researched all of his recommendations and most of them had been debunked 30 years ago. Yep. So I'm someone who's very uh, a sceptic who walked in there and walked out being like, great, awesome. So that's why something like the Health Australia Party is so dangerous. Yeah. It's, it, look, I, look, I agree. And, and I think just because, just because Western medicine or pharmaceutical medicine or whatever you want to call it, conventional medicine, doesn't find something or doesn't achieve something doesn't mean that a natural therapy will. It's like yeah. just because just because both major parties are incredibly fucking disappointing doesn't mean that Pauline Hanson yeah. is right. Totally, totally. Um, Look, so, and I don't want to completely discount but, all no, no, and alternative so some, things. But of course but you can. Like some people can, you know, you can take vitamin supplements and it probably makes you feel better and stuff. But is the, mm. but to say that that is the same as curing cancer exactly. or going okay. to the doctor I, is I, What right. I find fascinating about all this though is, right, how they find the candidates and how they are able to field them in seats. A bit just the political yep. like brain in me, right? So, firstly, there is the whole issue, and it's a huge issue, and uh, about health. And you know, I, you know, when I hit the wall politically, I went to doctors, and they gave me medicines, and you know, went and antidepressants and all that kind of stuff, and it really, really knocked me around. And it yeah. works for some people, and it doesn't for others. And for me, I think it, it worked in the short term, and then you know, in the long term, it has its side effects. So, park all the actual health issues aside. The actual campaign political issues, right? How do they find the candidates and where do they recruit them from? Mm. And who it's, it's quite fascinating, and full respect to them, recognizing the fact that the political arena is the policy arena they have to be in, and almost realizing that and getting out there. I gotta say, it's a, um, uh, I'd be interested to see if they get funding, whether they are funded. I couldn't find any kind of return that showed funding, so they're obviously not. So it's not a it's not a corporate driven party. Uh, but the thing is, you don't really need 
a candidate. You just need a name. Like, did you see the? Okay, did you no, see that? No, no. Ma- you need to have like, and, and numbers may change federally. In New South Wales, you need to have like seven hundred fifty people registered members to, to be become a political party. Yeah. Oh, I know that, but you can just get you can get those names easily enough. In, in Clive Palmer, when Clive Palmer was taking out those massive big yep. double page spreads in um, the the papers with all these candidates running around, there was a whole bunch. There was maybe what half a dozen or something, they didn't even have a photograph. They, they could have used a stock photo. That's right. <laughs> yeah. They couldn't even use, They couldn't even like just rip something off their Twitter profile. It's, that's how sort of non they were. Um, I had a friend of mine who ran as um, a candidate. She's this um, crazy, oh, lovely, crazy. Okay, she's an ex. But she <laughs> went, went, ran as a candidate for like an, an animal activist party or something, Animals Australia, something like animal that. Animal Justice Party? Animal Justice Party. I think that might have yeah. been it. It's, apologies Got to Animal Justice Party. second Senate seat recently. Something like that. Words. Anyway, it was something like that. And she wasn't even – she was overseas for half the campaign. She yeah. was on a family holiday for two weeks in the middle of the campaign because mm. she'd already booked it and she wasn't going to waste that. And yeah. so, you, you know what I mean? So it doesn't – you don't even need yeah. to have someone literally. Most of these people will not be on the ground. Some of them won't even be in the country. Well, you in, just have to have a yeah. name on a belt. In 1999, I believe it was, and Glenn Drury, who's referred to in the media as the kind of preference whisperer, yes. uh, who's been involved in setting them up, created what was called the tablecloth yep. uh, thing, right? And that was called back, the what? The tablecloth, tablecloth ballot. It was called ballot. tablecloth. It was the biggest one ever, right? Yep. Oh, and, right. Yep. And what he was doing uh, to register, and it, the, the threshold was a lot lower yep. back then. It led to legislative change. That's why he didn't know. The 750 came in yep. as a re- response to it, that. It, the number was much lower. I think it was like 200 or something, yeah. right? It wasn't many. And you only needed them one off. Now you've got to re-register every year. And once you're registered, you're registered, right? The rules that changed in New South Wales became very hard to register a political party. Uh, but if you have an existing member of parliament, it's very easy to keep it going. And uh, he elected, I think at the time, there was outrages before the whole rise of micro parties. So at the time when the Outdoor Recreation Party got a member of the New South Mm. Wales Up House was seen as this huge travesty. Now, you know, minor parties getting elected all over the place, kind of like, yeah, it's a thing that happens. And that's because of the declining major party vote, whole separate debate. He would stand in uh, Glebe uh, markets on a Saturday with just a petition saying, hey, are you, do you believe in more bicycle? Uh, lanes, yeah, yeah. Can you join my party or can you sign my petition effectively? And you're just signing up to the party. They're very. They didn't lie. There was a sign there saying what you were doing, right? But if you go to people, hey, can you sign up to this? Most people will. It's not in a, in a couple of weeks. You can get 100, 150 signatures really easily. Yeah, yeah especially right. in Glebe, where all they do yeah. is sign petitions. Yeah. <laughs> and this is before <laughs> well, before you know they were taking your email address. Now people are like, yeah, I don't want to give you my email address. I know you got to get spam. But uh, and the rules had to change, and and, and Glenn kind of changed the rules uh, in response to that. And it was seen as such a travesty and outrage that a party like Outdoor Recreation get elected. And now it's pretty common. And again, if you're looking at something like the Health Australia Party, obviously a quota to get a federal Senate says like 14.5%, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, which is quite high. But to get a New South Wales state seat, That's right. quota, which means you're definitely elected, is 4.5%, which means you'll probably get elected on anything over three. Hey, you got a good name and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a good placement on the ballot paper. Getting three out of 100 people to say, yeah, I believe in the – was that other one that got elected at the time? I think the, the election after the Children's First Party. No, it wasn't called um, – had a really good name, um, Save Our Children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, three out of 100 people want to save their children. And yeah. I think something like the Health Australia Party, where it gets a bit dangerous and, and to touch on is the power of a name can be completely divorced from the ideology and views that it espouses. Well, exactly. And, so a health is which is bad for your health. And and people can get full. Like, you know, there was a very strong view amongst the Liberal Party 
that when David Lionhelm first yep. got elected as a Liberal Democrats, it was in part because of confusion over his name. Now, yep. the Lib Dems will disagree. But once- It, def- it definitely was. And they were number one spot yeah. above the line as well. So, of course it was. But once he got elected, they then, they then took him to court over his party name. But once you've got a sitting senator from that political party, it's very hard. And it, it was a party that did exist. The Liberal Democrat, like, it was mm. not a, you know, it wasn't not a new name they came up with a year ago. But also Lionhelm, the Liberal Democrats are not a spoof party or a joke party, though. Like, I actually respect Lionhelm. He actually has a set of ideologies that he believes in. He's had a set of principles that he believes in. And, yes, he has the luxury of doing that because he's never going to be in government. But I still kind of respect I say, well, you know what? He does actually adhere to these Libertarian ideologies, and he thinks about issues in that framework. Sure, so sure. It, it, but, the but, packet but, does, but in terms of the name, product, does what the packet does. Says. The question label, was yeah. right whether or not the word liberal, right, is owned by the Liberal Party. This was the legal question, yeah. And I think the Liberal Party would have probably people. There are a lot of people who are better legal minds than me that say the Liberal Party would have won if they'd taken him to court before the ballot, not after. Same as the word Labor is pretty much owned by the Australian Labor Party. This is why the DLP, the Democratic Labor Party, has to spell Labor differently. Because they spell Labor as in worker, L A B O U R. The Australian Labor Party spells Labor, L A B O R. Because they were inspired by the Americans. It was two things. It was a inspired by the Americans and also a screw you to the Brits. Yeah. Right. I've yeah. always wondered that, but not enough to Google it. Well, that's right. And all we had to do was download a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm always happy to say screw you to the Brits. You're listening to it on your smartphone. The smart part indicates that you can. <laughs> probably not that smart. The smart part indicates that you can access the internet where elections can be won and lost. Guys. Oh, you're still going on a come on. Guys, let's talk about our tweets of the week. Okay. Or we can broaden it out if we wish to. Let's talk about our thing that happened online of the week. That doesn't have as much of a ring to it. Let's well, just exactly. call it Tweet of the Week and then it can just be anything. Yeah. Do you want to go first, Joe? Oh, okay, okay. So uh, this is a this is a great one. So um, this was a little... Good, I hope so. This is a little Facebook post that someone sent me from Angus Taylor, MP, who's been having a cracking campaign. Um, he's just posted, as, as is his complete right, and good on him for, for standing up for his electorate, uh, 1,000 extra car parks for rail commuters right across the north of Hume. That's terrific. And it's got a great response to a lot of good feedback. Oh, really? Yeah, one commenter said, brilliant. Another commenter said, fantastic. And a third one said, fantastic. Great move. Well done, Angus. The only slight um, problem is that the third commentator is Angus Taylor, MP. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, that's right. When you're running your candidate's social media account, you've got to switch profiles if you yeah. want to make it look like someone else. That Come ha- on, that's Having worked that's in, uh, in a comms role many times before, that is a, that's yeah. a tricky one and sometimes you think it's set to yourself and then you do it and that moment of... <gasps> yeah. And that's going right. to change you've it got, quickly. Got hopefully to be careful. no that's one saw it. Next thing you know, your candidate's yeah. sexting people. Yeah. And, hopefully you know, no one saw that comment I left as one nation, that's, you know, very right. embarrassing. The Muslims are coming and taking over Australia. Love oh, you, Pauline. Can I just say something? You know how the guy, speaking of tweets and online debacles, you know the guy who said that the, all the Muslims have a secret plot to yep. overthrow the government, the liberal guy has just resigned. Has he not been paying attention for the last 10 years? 
We don't need the Muslims to overthrow the government. We've done it four times already without them. Uh, We are perfectly good at overthrowing the governments all by ourselves. I love the fact, Joe, that you had that joke. You forgot about it. Then you suddenly remembered it again, clearly in a different segment and had to find a way to bring it back in. (laughs) That is. All right. Well, I I have praise for the libs today. Uh, We all know there's only one camp. There's only, you know, one poll that matters. And that uh, is not the poll in the day. It's the mug poll. And it's who has the better mugs for the election. And so the Liberal Party has tweeted out, and it's cost $30 for their new stronger coffee mug. And here's what it says. Stronger economy tick, stronger borders tick, stronger coffee tick. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. See, it's look, I've got to say. They, yeah, their copywriters are actually killing, killing it. it at the moment. Yeah. They're killing it. I there mean, was that uh, day where uh, Bill Shorten was on Merry-Go-Round and they, like, instantly had a, a picture up on Twitter of, okay. uh, I can't remember the wording, but I remember begrudgingly Another being like, Another non sequitur. Oh. It's the golden rule. Don't stand underneath an exit sign and don't get on a Merry-Go-Round. Who was how yeah. are his advances letting him do that? That's the know. last place you, you just would you would ne- no minder would ever let their candidate get on a merry go round. That just yeah. seems crazy to me. There was a so a slight uh, a tangent for a second. I got a TV yesterday. Oh wow! I, came to my, I couldn't sleep one night, so I because I live in a share Welcome house. To this century. And I know, and yeah. we we just hadn't had a TV for ages. And I went, "Fuck!" And I got one and got a Chromecast. Anyway, last night I was watching the thick of it, which I did not realize was on free to wear TV. I love oh, it so much. It was the episode where the Polly, the new Secretary of State, she has a, a husband who had formerly been corrupt, and she went out to support a candidate whose name was Liam Bentley. And she was standing in front of the big sort of billboard as the media zoomed in, and it said, "I am bent." Oh. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> a classic. It is a classic. Also, if you're ever standing in front of the word count. Yes. Be yeah, yes, be very careful yes, of yes. You Make are. sure you stand in front of the O. Um, what to watch this week, mm-hmm. right? I actually, look, I am I'm actually am quite pissed off about this and, you know, I am, uh, social media postings of anger aside, uh, I think the space we all have to keep watching is something weird is going on between these far-right activists and some of these Liberal MPs. Now, there's been accusations and claims made by these far-right activists. Uh, the Lib MPs... in Western Australia. Yep, huh? the Lib MPs initially said they'd never met with them and then they had to re- change that and suddenly say, oh, we did meet with them. I think oh, one I, has said that he did the other. So Andrew Hastie, the other one, so he still says he doesn't think look, he met yeah. with them. Look, I think the, said, I met him, but I didn't inhale. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you can't... These like, far-right extremists... But anyone in the public eye yeah. runs... You get nutters no. running up and saying hi and you just shake sure, your hands sure, and say thanks very sure. much and do whatever And if you can that's all it is, that's all it is. And let's be clear, these far-right extremists are creeps, freaks and weirdos yep. and they've hunted me and they've hunted yep. my family they've made my life hell yep. for a period of time. So I don't want to give them any kind of leeway in their credibility but – I just think this whole thing to me is smelly and I think there's a lot further to go in the media on that. But that is my uh, pick of the week of what to watch. Yeah, Mm. all right. New segment crammed in there. What to watch. What What to to watch watch. with Sam Dastiari. Guys, my tweet of the week also is not a tweet. Um, So right before we hit record on this, basically, the Ross McDonald news leaked. So he's the One Nation candidate from Leichhardt, who um, uh, North Queensland seat, uh, who the Cairns Post published a series of images from shared to his Facebook profile, should have scrubbed it, uh, him grabbing the breasts of a woman while on holiday in Thailand, posing with a topless woman. The one that's uh, really unforgivable to me is the fact that there's a photo of a woman's cleavage with the caption, mmm, yummy, which is the most disgusting word. Oh, Had he not God. said yummy, you know mm. what, maybe I'd be okay with it. I wouldn't. But like, but yummy is just the most fucking disgusting oh, word so for gross, a grown man it? to like, use. It's like lactate. Yeah. No, I think lactate's fine compared to mm, yummy. Yeah. I mean, it's, but, it's, it's not even vegan. Oh. 
But so obviously, you know, we had to look it up before we went to air and so I looked at the Cairns Post Yummy. It page. means tasty, delicious, yeah, <laughs> happy to eat. Yeah. My, that's it. My brain's Vegan, still coming back so I didn't free. know what the words meant. No, no, we had to look up the story and so oh, I looked yeah. at the Cairns Post story and uh, so he's running for Leichhardt. Perfect targeted advertising, the banner down the bottom and the big sort of square ad as you scroll, Warren Ench, candidate for Leichhardt. Oh, <laughs> Strong play. Perfection. Hey, speaking of strong... Fuck. I was about to say, speaking of strong plays, yes. and then I fucked it. Uh, I was about to say this has been, I'm usually more professional than strong oh. play, guys. Well, in fact, and you haven't fucked it because that is exactly what someone who is usually more professional would say. We're through the looking glass here. I'm A.H. Kaylee, Joe Hildebrand. Have a good one. Thanks, A.H. And I can confirm, listeners, she is usually more professional. Usually. Sam Dastiari, thanks again. No one said anything about me being professional.